Welcome to the Cousin Brew Show! What is up, brother? Cause. Are you, you, know, you, you, you watching Ambassador Sondland over there? Dude, I was a little bit. I just, I just for a split second. It's kind of funny though. He's kind of like, <laughs> he's like, he's like kind of like giving these dramatic pauses. Like we're we're gonna just talk for about thirty seconds about this thing, this impeachment thing. Like the other people <laughs> that testify, though, they're like not politicians, so they're just kind of like kind of rough and like not, you know, they're just not polished. You know, we're not used to seeing people like that on television, right? And so, like, this dude's, like, he's, like, got these, like, smirks and stuff. And he's, like, got these dramatic pauses. And it's, like, dude, just spit it out, man. What do you, you know? This ain't, the, this ain't the Sondland show, man. Just just spit your spit out your thing and let's go with it, man. Yeah, I I'm, I'm feel like I'm missing out on the good part. I want to hear what the Republicans say after this guy's done talking. Because, um, uh, yeah, yeah, good luck having a point after when he's done. Um, yeah, no, hey, hey, everybody. It's the Cousin Brew Show. We're back. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely um, it, it's high time for us to have a show here. Uh, the NBA has moved into the, uh, I, I don't know, like um, it's not the first three weeks of the season, so we can actually talk about stuff, you know, with some yeah. degree of uh, seriousness and uh, or, or not seriousness. But um I got to tell you, Kaz, I, I was thinking before the show, you know, you sent over the show notes, like what we're going to talk about. And I'm sitting there going, maybe Kaz is going to let me talk about the Kings today. And <laughs> then you just came out and said it. You're like, you know what? If you want to talk about the Kings today, we can talk about the Kings today. And the funny thing is, I don't really want to talk about the Kings. I spend entirely too much time talking about the Kings, but maybe we will talk about the Kings a little bit. But um I liked your topics. We're, we're, you know, talking about the biggest surprise of the year, biggest disappointment of the year, and then you dropped in a little John ja Morant, and I, I got yeah. excited. I, I, you know, and I almost tweeted, and I should have. It's just one of those things where you think of something, you just don't do it. Your take on John ja Morant being possibly better than Zion is one of. First of all, I didn't hear it anywhere else. Anywhere. Oh, you're talking about before the season? Yeah, before I didn't hear it anywhere. I don't know. Did yeah. you hear it anywhere? No. No, I think I thought there was some there was some people that were kinda like alluding to it. You know, and I don't think I don't think that I I think I might have I, I don't think I actually said he's going to be better. I think I said it was not gonna surprise me or whatever. And I think there was a couple of people who were like alluding to that, but just that they still would take the uh still take Zion the number one pick. Just because of the backlash you'd get, you know, and if he, and if he had like he got hurt or something, it would have been just like you should have taken Zion. But, but yeah, I didn't hear anyone come out and say he's gonna be better <laughs> than. Well, than uh, well, we talk about his game in detail a little bit towards the end of the show because I, I, there's just it's a fascinating, um, it's, it's a fascinating player, and I've been watching a lot of him because I picked him up in a lot of fantasy leagues, and uh, I also picked up. Uh, his teammate, Brandon Clark, in a lot of fantasy leagues. So I'm just watching all Grizzlies all the time. And we have a new Grizzlies show, I should tell everybody. That Bad will loss either... for them last night, though. Yeah. They got to beat them. They got to pound that Warriors team. They, yeah. They, they, that's a bad, bad loss for them. It, you know, <laughs> they've played a lot. Of, well, maybe talk, let's say this. But like they, they played a lot of games really well. And... It almost feels like they're running out of gas, which is weird in like the first three weeks of the season. But um, we'll, we'll hit them up when we talk about Ja. The, people, people, people think like a, a young team is supposed to have a ton of energy. It's like people don't realize that 
young players don't know how to get in shape yet for 82 game season. They don't know how to get you in know? shape. And yeah. And then the grind itself, like when it hits them, they haven't felt it in the past. And it's a mental grind, but we'll, right. you know, we'll, maybe we'll save that for when we talk about job. But, you know, biggest surprises, you know, if we're not talking about the Kings and I don't think we are, um, you know, the league is working out kind of the way that I think most of us thought it would. So when I looked at big surprises for this uh, this upcoming year, I mean, I, I kind of want to ask you so I don't take what you say right off the table because I feel like there are only a few surprises. Um, and I'm interested to think if you had one that I don't have. Um, so let me ask you, what is your big surprise of the year? Cause- um, I think like... I think I don't remember where I put the put the Celtics, but I am a little. I think it speaks to a lot of things that we've talked about on this show. Uh, most importantly, Kyrie Irving and his effect on a team. Mm. But I'm a little surprised how like like it seems, doesn't it seem like the Celtics have been playing with Kemba Walker for like years. I well, mean, like, they, they did play in Team USA together. So, <laughs> like all ten of them, the Boston Celtics <laughs> went across the pond and. That's why they suck. No, just kidding. Um, they, but I was really shocked myself when they came into Sacramento. And, I mean, I looked and the, I was like, oh, my God, they got a 10-game winning streak. I had no yeah. idea at all that yeah. they had had a 10-game winning streak. And most definitely after I watched the way they played in Sacramento, which wouldn't have been surprising because, yeah. you know, road, um, East Coast uh, team on a West Coast road trip. It's pretty much all the way done, and they've won 10 in a row. They're banged up. They're already having no depth, you know, that, that they would poop out in, in that game against the Kings. At, I think it was at noon, you know. So uh, it just had everything working against it. It was such an easy bet um, on the Kings. The, uh, that they would um, have 10 straight wins was just shocking to me, and that's um, – Kemba, you know, uh, but to, to your point about Kyrie, that uh, man, like he instantaneously messed the Nets up, like, <laughs> just instantly. Like I can tell you, if, like if I didn't know anything about what was going on in Chicago, like I could just be like looking at their box score and everybody is shooting thirty percent except for Zach Levine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you look at it's the same thing in Brooklyn. You know, like every single player minus Kyrie is is just struggling. You know, and he's got his whatever fifty five point game, you know, right out the shoot. And so yeah, yeah. I mean, Boston they they get optimized. They they get the um, you know they're they're bigger players playing big minutes because they have to. I think that's a blessing in disguise. You know, that's happened in Sacramento here. Like you know, guys that have they get forced into action due to whatever. Um, and, and then they just get a ton of feel with the ball and then they really start balling out. So, uh, but Boston, it's, it's, um, it's pretty funny. Like when I, I watched them, I, I haven't, haven't seen a whole game, but it's like the, the, the chunks I've been able to watch, it's kind of like the blueprint of how like a, a high level player should be playing with this team. The ball moves, everybody gets going. And then there's these specific spots where Kemba decides to be Kemba. And it's not necessarily like, and he doesn't like do it like, you know, if it comes in the second quarter, it just comes for that stretch. And then he picks the brakes back. And then they, then they get going again. And then, they, you know, and then it goes along. And then when they need it, boom, he's Kemba again. And it's, it's so simple. 
Like, it's not like you don't have – if you're playing with a bunch of bad players, that's one thing. <laughs> but he's, but you're not. So there's no need to just chuck the way that he does. So it, it's so funny that, that one guy can figure it out, you know, a game into the season. And then the other guy is there for two seasons and never figures it out. And they're so happy in Boston. <laughs> and they're so happy. That's, that's the other thing. Like, people are smiling. People are, people are excited to go play a game for, their, for millions of dollars. It's pretty incredible. Man, I'll tell you, I, I wish that they had done one thing, and that would have been kept Aaron Bain somehow. Because yeah. uh, that, that, that would make them really dangerous in the East. You're starting to see, and that might, I'll go to the low-hanging fruit that everybody's, you know, no longer talking about because they're pretty much going to be dipping beneath 500 here. Uh, the Suns, you know, um, came out, and Aaron yeah. Baines just, I mean, every, and it's funny because everybody's like, Ricky Rubio this, Ricky Rubio that, and, you know, it's real kind of like a also low-hanging fruit to be like team with 50. I swear they had the most chuckers I've ever seen on one team last year. Um, <laughs> and then you bring in Ricky Rubio. It's the ultimate contrast. And uh, <clears throat> But Aaron Baines, I mean, God, you just watch him. He jumps off the screen as far as, you know, his, his lateral quickness is as good kind of as like yeah. that. Not, I mean, there's probably like a top-tier of defender and he might be a shade under that but man and then there's the meanness i don't know like it's i think it's just because he doesn't have the body type like usually the bigs that can move their feet are a lot leaner than him Mm -hmm. so i think that kind of throws people off but he can jump too that's the other thing yeah he he moves as well as any big guy on the perimeter i mean I, i can't think of one i mean like you know maybe like well holmes we'll talk about holmes but, yeah, but he's not that big, though. No, <laughs> no, know? nobody's that big. So, he, he might yeah. be the biggest kind of, um, you know, most powerful center in the league. Uh, I mean, I yeah. guess Joel, well, see, he's got Joel Embiid in athleticism, you know. So I, yeah. if you were to find, and this is kind of an interesting well, sidebar, he might be the perfect defender for a Shaq. You know, not maybe perfect, but like in today's NBA, like the only guy that has a shot. Against like a Shaq. Yeah, in today's NBA, because he's the only guy that would take like, it. But. <laughs> that would be reasonably close to being able to. That's and crazy. In yesterday's NBA, he would just be another victim because Shaq would never venture outside. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But it, today, today's NBA, he'd be perfect because no one would throw Shaq the ball. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, no, you can't okay, play Shaq. You don't take threes. Uh, yeah. Um, Boston, or, or pardon me, Phoenix is, uh, they're, they're surprising, and but not really. That's the thing. This is like, this is such a hard topic for me. Um, you know, I also had Minnesota. Um, just because they're playing a little bit over their head, even though we knew that they would run this year before the season started, and that was going to be a good thing. Um, they seem to just generally like playing for Ryan Saunders, so I'm not too surprised that they're above 500 and um, you know doing pretty well. And then uh, the Lakers, you know, we might we're going to talk about Dwight Howard at the end of the show, so I might save my Lakers stuff for then, but. Um, Phoenix, um, you know, they just look like a better team with Baines on the floor. And, you know, I think, I don't know if were you on this train as well, but like I've been, I've been talking about uh, DeAndre Ayton is not good for a while. 
you know, um, and and not not good, but like not. I mean, he was getting like rookie of the year consideration from people last year, and yeah, um, that was that was a little much. I, I, unfortunately, I just don't know. Um, and maybe maybe Baines will help. He's one of those guys that you know, unfortunately doesn't really know how to be a pro and he doesn't I mean the the big problem with him my big thing was his motor in college and that has translated I mean he started off pretty well but then of course he's taking steroids whatever the hell else he's got going on <laughs> allegedly so, gave him a little bit gave him a little bit of energy there so uh you know he started off good well he he and, looked know, I, I more really, athletic than he yeah, did he, previously I noticed right. it right off the bat, and so there you go. That, that to me shows like if you got to take stuff to lean up at 20 years old, that means that you're not really dedicated to your diet, and that's what you know. That means that when we're talking about being a pro at 20 years old, playing in the NBA, having an NBA offseason, you should be able to lose whatever amount of weight you want. If you want lean muscle, get your lean muscle. Like there's nothing that a professional athlete's body shouldn't be able to do at 20 as long as you're dedicated to, you know, the eating the proper things. So for him to have to still go go down that route is uh, unfortunate. But, you know, I'll, I'll root for him. But he certainly he certainly doesn't certainly is not looking like a good number one selection uh, compared to Donkic and Trey Young right now. <laughs> God. <laughs> so, yeah, well, and, I mean, speaking of Sacramento, they are hurting right now uh, with Marvin Bagley on the shelf and Luca out there. You know, and that might be my biggest, like, I didn't want to go there because we're talking teams and stuff, but, like, the Luca just sort of tour de force that that he has been. And, I mean, God, it's just no stopping at, at this point. Like, he just keeps going and going, and, and they're big, big stat lines. And it's not like Dallas plays, like, like you think of teams that would really just turn something over to the guy and, and, and just let him go for 40, 10, and 10, like, Rick Carlisle doesn't jump off the page to me as the guy that's like, hey, you go out there and just win by yourself. He's just doing it. it and I, I think it also speaks to what it, what it does for an organization when you never go down the tanking road. Mm, yeah. You know, like, you, you can be bad, but you don't ever, ever, ever set the standard of we are intentionally going to try to not win games. Like, if you just, you know, if you have a good run, you get bad draft picks, and you fall back to the pack and a little bit below it, that's fine. But you don't ever say, like, we are cleaning house today because we intentionally want to be one of the three worst teams in the league. Mm. And I think that, that the fact that they never do that is the reason that they have such a strong locker room and there's consistency and, you know, a guy like Luca could come in and flourish because as much as people don't want to talk about it, the organization has everything to do with how good a guy ends up turning out. Oh, yeah. You know, there's been, there's been a lot of really good players <laughs> that people that have fallen off that have, you know, seven, eight-year careers when they should have been playing for, you know, 12 to 15 just because they never learned how to play and no one ever pushed them or they were just kind of freelancing and I think that Dallas is a great example of what a good organization does. Tommy Beer, friend of the show, uh, 29.5 points, 10.7 rebounds, 9.3 assists are his averages right now. He just tweeted this. Um, that's just a crazy stat set, you know, 30, 10, and 10. They're, they're, they're winning, too. It's not like it's like yeah. empty stats. 
Mets, you know? It's not well, like and they have like, Porzingis. And, and so yeah. it's, it's not like they need, like, he's the one guy. He's like James Harden, Houston, you know? They have other players, and it's just it's fascinating, and um, it'll, it, it's a great um, height that you can't teach it. You know, like his, we talked, I think in the pre-draft stuff about how, you know, explosion, not, not necessarily knowing if he'd be able to beat guys off the dribble and stuff. But, you know, I mean, if you got a good handle and you can see over the defense and you can get that shot off whenever you want, like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I was the guy who picked eight and number one in that. I I mean, I'm not going to lie. I said, I said, I went with eight. I I went with Donkic one, didn't I? You did, you did. All right. You, you said that, sign you said me up. That his, that's two. That that's two, floor. Vlade. That's two. I got for you. You said his floor was too high, and so that's that's what you. I remember your argument there. Um, but the thing, the thing too is like, I think that maybe we're seeing like if you have that kind of a body, maybe you're not the fastest guy, but in today's NBA, when no one can touch you, and and you, you people, everyone's switching. You got these crazy mismatches. And then the, then the other thing is, like, they're just letting you, like, Luca can get the ball at the top of the key, and then he backs up, you know, five dribbles, and the guy, you got a guy that's just standing there not taking up space. Now he's already downhill. I mean, you don't have to be Kobe Bryant athleticism to, to get by guys in today's NBA. So you couple that with a tight handle and, and great vision and passing, you got Luka Doncic and, and the whole idea of, like, this, you know, off-the-chart athlete. And he's not a bad athlete. <laughs> you know, it's not like he not like he can't he can't move, you know. <laughs> He's just not a high level NBA athlete. But you know. I think the, that might be my biggest surprise. And then also Trey Young and, and uh, sorry to throw you in there. I'm with you. I mean I, I was completely just fading Trey Young's NBA career from the beginning and you mostly because of defense. And um those two guys, like, they're not you know, I keep everybody keeps waiting for the bottom to fall out of the Trey Young thing, and typically when you're the last guy on the court, which he pretty much is, because of all of the things that have gone on in Atlanta for guys to be out of the lineup. And, uh, John Collins, another guy. My yeah. God, the yeah. uh, the NBA they they definitely got on top of it this year. Um, but you expect his field goal percentage to go down. <laughs> it is right. not. It's going up, and. Um, that's just that's a testament to the way that the game has changed, but his ability, Trey Young's, that is, <clears throat> to you know, just take advantage of the different rules and and also be very quick and and have a quick trigger and splitting those double teams. You know, guys don't know how to hedge or pardon me, not hedge, but um, trap on the pick and roll anymore, or blitz it anymore. It's it, yeah. he's beating that consistently. Isn't that weird? Like that was something that you would expect any like varsity high school program. If the coach said, we're going to trap the screen and roll to be able to do it. Guys come so wide when they're like, it's I've never seen forget about Trey young. I'm talking about average, uh, offensive players. I've never seen so many average offensive players split traps the way that it happens in the NBA now. Like it's it's like so I think like because now because everyone copies all the lower levels copy the NBA and since everyone's switching, everyone's switching in high school too. It, guys just don't know how to do it. 
I mean, they're like the people. It's so weird because you're already. I don't understand. You're already right there. The screen's coming. How hard is it to travel? No, it's it's a, it, it's like <laughs> it is with everything else. They're not doing their work before. You know, the, why guys like Draymond Green are so good at defense is like they see it happening and they just sort of like already know what they're doing and where they're doing it. And you're just not getting mentally beat, you know? And so like, if you're going to come up on that screen, you got to know that you can't get beat on the inside, like no matter what. And it's, it's like a, it's like a, no, you're not going to beat me on the inside here. (laughs) Like You can beat me on the outside, but you're not beating me on the inside. And it's too in, in almost every single case we're talking about, the guy with the ball is the one that we're we're trying to get it out of his hands. Like you can't, like it's not like like how are you confused on what we're doing or why we're doing it? <laughs> yeah, because you know, I mean, just, like that's like the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> it's, it's the worst thing that can happen. We want to take the ball out of your hands, so we're going to trap the screen and roll, and you let it split. So now there's like four more options available to the guy we didn't want with the ball. Yeah, it's so. It's you know we'll we'll talk about Sacramento in a minute, but it, it the the dumbing down of the game, even in this information age, is yeah. also a weird thing. And I don't know if there's like a media element to this, you know, where I got the the trial on in the background, and you're gonna hear like half the country say one thing and half the country say the other, and it's kind of funny because sports very much parallels that, especially in the NBA where there's so many games and the local teams have so much kind of control over how the media presents stuff. I mean, guys say some stupid stuff out there because, like, the, the the local, you know, TV guy is all over something. But, like, people don't understand just basic good defense or bad defense or what is what is the, the purpose of this defensive player on this particular play. They just have no no idea, it feels like, uh, yeah. anymore. Um, let's, let's switch to disappointments. Um, oh, Phoenix, by the way. <laughs> Phoenix. I, I'll leave it for the thing that I started talking about. The, the minute the minute that the uh, that the Aiton went down, I was like, "Can I just bet all my money on the Suns being good?" Oh. <laughs> I did. I swear, I did. It, it, yeah, it, well, it, yeah. I feel a little bit bad saying that, but like, it, it was just <laughs> so obvious that it was going to happen. <laughs> anyway, we move on. Disappointments. Um, I don't have any disappointments. Like, I really, I mean, I do, but I don't have any. Like, I, I think I know who you're going to say. Can I predict it? Is it who? Is it going to be Portland? It, I think it, yeah, it was Portland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, the, the thing is they had, you know, even with that number one pick, I, you know, they had very little room for, um, very little room for uh, anything to go wrong. And everything has gone <laughs> So... You know, uh, Lillard is is hurt. Um, my, my favorite thing yeah. about their 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 plummet is that like the entire world knows that Hassan Whiteside is just terrible. <laughs> like on Twitter, you're seeing in real time people just kind of reacting to the way he plays the game. And he, well, he's yeah, he's your classic like, you know, I don't know that dude, but like it certainly seems like if he wasn't seven one, he would not be playing basketball for a living. Like if he had his chance to do anything in the world it wouldn't uh, be basketball the, the stories out of sacramento are legendary i gotta say like he uh he, i forget what his rookie scale deal was or rookie contract it wasn't much uh yeah. he definitely went out and got a lambo <laughs> like nice. Nice. right off the bat he took he took to marcus cousins 
to the ground in a practice, apparently, which is just great. And and you know what? This hasn't been talked about enough. Like the the Demarcus Cousins documentary that's on Showtime right now that no, none of you have watched. Documentary on? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Like none of you have watched this. I. Like it was like three in the morning. I was researching, and then I saw the, the thing on on Showtime. It was Demarcus Cousins documentary. I was like, "What the? F- are you kidding me?" Like, so I watched it. It is the worst piece of anything you will ever see on TV in your entire life. It is so bad that you have to watch it. Um, like a friend of his or something? Or what? Yeah, that's what it kind of it, it plays off like the 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 agency that reps him like promised him this at some point in time (laughs) and then they had to make the thing and like they tried to make it like aspirational but really you know nobody cares about you and you're getting back to you know speed there's no i mean yeah player gets injured it's it's a big deal but like in terms of a documentary trying to make a big deal about something it definitely it's funny it's really funny um and uh hassan whiteside (laughs) took him down in a practice (laughs) <laughs> uh, which was funny because like that's something that Demarcus Cousins needed at that point in time, um, but we move on. So uh, Portland, yeah, uh, disappointing those guys. Carmelo Anthony, I mean, that's the talk of the town right now. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do I? Do you have a fresh take there? <laughs> a fresh one? Yeah. I mean, anything you know, new to offer to the guy? He's a, he's a. He's like to me. You know, I hope that if Trey Young, like I hope Atlanta, the key to Atlanta, like to me, Trey's a one-dimensional player. He's really good at that one dimension, but he's a one-dimensional player. So it's up to Atlanta as an organization to build a proper team around. Carmelo Anthony had that in Denver. <laughs> he had the perfect team for himself where all he had to do was score 27 points a game and they needed him to do that. And he wanted to run to a bigger market. And his career has plummeted ever since. So I hope that if Atlanta is able to do that for Trey Young, that he says thank you and stays and doesn't go, oh, well, I need to be in L.A. or I need to be in New York. I don't Chicago. think Trey's going to do that. I don't think so He's, either. But I also think that if, 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 it, if things aren't working out for them as far as wins and losses and they bring in a legitimate coach that's going to say – Hey, you need to do. You need to cut back on this, and we need to do this and that, and you need to give the ball to this guy a little more. I just hope that he's embracing it and doesn't have an, uh, too many uh, yes men around him that go, "Oh man, he's trying to hold back your game, man. He's trying to do this to you." You know, I, that's what you know. Him scoring twenty eight, twenty nine is great, but like to win a championship, he might have to score twenty four. And I hope that he's ready for that and actually wants to do that. The, what you're... That, that, that's what I like. You're, what you're saying is something I've been thinking about with both him and um, Luca is, okay, so they're having these huge numbers. And, you know, I, I think Atlanta, it, it's fair to say they were playing above expectations, you know, before a lot of, you know, things hit them. But the uh, what, what do they do when the defense really schemes down? You know, so right. you are not beating us. You were the, the everybody else will, but you won't. You know, so there's that. Um, you know, when does Atlanta show up on the scouting report, or, or not even the scouting report? Just like when you look at your list of four cities that you're going to, when you see Atlanta, you go, oh crap, we got to play hard that game. 
you know, yeah. that kind of a thing. And so for both guys, and then how do they get exposed defensively at all? Like, you know, the best way to take down a good offensive player is make them defend all games. So um, that's, those things are my next questions with those guys. Right. Um, you know, back to Portland and, and Melo. <laughs> he he's so, I mean one of the things I wrote about in the newsletter which you guys should all subscribe to just go to hoopball or hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and you could get my free newsletter where I write a significant amount every week on all things NBA Kings fantasy you name it uh, there's a section on life cause I'm writing about life now oh boy <laughs> yeah, I'll look at that I need some lessons <laughs> of what not to do um the uh the, the the mellow forcing his way to New York and then Jim the idiot Dolan <laughs> that guy. Uh he, like giving half the team away to Denver, yeah. even though there was no other bidder, like yeah. no legitimate bidder in that process. And Mello being anyway, like And he was gonna come there anyway. <laughs> he was gonna come there anyway, and, and then it's like Carmelo was like I want this trade to be as big as possible, you know? So, so I, I am traded for half the team. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't, I can't get into the guy's head. I don't know if he thought that, but it just seems very sort of NBA at that time period. I, I don't, I don't know if we could blame that on him because. The but don't you want your team you're going to, to be good? Like yeah, if you had the, the, the juice that he had with Dolan at the time, couldn't he just be like, Hey, Dolan, Cut it out. I'm coming over here. <laughs> don't yeah. trade half the team. Yeah, I, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. The Knicks make a lot of bad decisions, so I don't know if we can <laughs> put that, put, make, him, make him a part of the decision-making process there. I just know that, you know, it was just a bad move, and, and you know, now more stuff comes out. I mean, he's never spoken ill, I don't think, of George Carl, but um, oh, you know, but uh, I bet he's got stories. I don't, know, I don't know what was going on there at the time, but they were winning. I mean, they they were winning. So, and I think that George Carl seems like just one of more of like one of those more just duplicitous duplicitous guys that you know it it wouldn't shock me if no one had a story, you know. And then I, and I think that's when I when I was listening to Kenyon Martin really sidetracking here. Well, Kenyon Martin, when, when he said this stuff about him and I, I forget who else, like Kenyon Martin seemed he was angry and he was ranting, but he seemed generally hurt because I, I feel like he was like, dude, why is this guy saying this about me? Yeah, that's I, that's his move, I, I though. Like I he, always like coach. You know, why, why is he saying this stuff about me? One thing about coaches that I'd say probably 75% of them don't want to play ball with the media. Like they're just, it's not a game I want to get into. Absolutely. George Carl was an expert at that. He wanted to do that. I watched him sit there and take questions from the last guy in the room, you know, but it wasn't because he's a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) He knew that he was putting in the, the work required to be an NBA coach. And, and right. getting everybody on on the same page. Um, Portland just you know no no um, depth and power forward was the question mark heading into the season. And you lose Zach Collins, and yep. now you've got Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, who uh, I thought you know to me I thought he would be so kind of pounded 
by the media for all the things that he is, that he'd almost be underrated, you know, showing up <laughs> and that he would be in better shape than we would think he would be. And he looked kind of like what he didn't look out of shape. He didn't look like he was in great shape. Um, he can still hit a jump shot. Um, he, he, I t- literally turned on the TV and watched as he missed a shot. He put his head down and his guy turn and sprint. <laughs> and then they <laughs> lost two points. And I was like, yep, we were here. Um, and it, it wasn't because he didn't know the defense and it wasn't because he didn't know his teammates. It was because it was just- Carmelo Anthony does not run back to play defense. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> my other disappointment is the Spurs just because they usually win. And maybe the way a- that they're losing a little bit, like they seem like they're, they, they might realize that they're bad. I don't know. Um, yeah. But John Morant, yeah. he's pretty good, man. He's big pretty, job. Uh, I what I find most pleasing about his game is that he can make a underhanded scoop shot from with either hand from anywhere within sort of like <laughs> inside the three point line. <laughs> it's kind of like a Kareem's hook, you know. He keeps he, the, the defender does their work and gets down there, and you're like, "Oh, okay, good. I got him out at 16 feet." No, he's still gonna throw that thing out there. <laughs> don't you? Don't you worry. That's a that tells me that he has played just a ton of basketball, like by himself, you know, out out on the court, shooting around, not with any fancy machine, you know, spitting him the ball. You know, all, he's he's just getting the ball, and he's kind of just like, I've been out here for five hours, and I'm going to just start flipping the ball up underhanded toward the hoop. You know, I'm really bored now, and that's so powerful, man. He's got quickness for days, athleticism for days, but, like, that little gear where, like, if he gets the tiniest edge on you, he can now go into that sort of leaning, falling. If you go try to block it, he, you're going to foul him. That That just angle and then he can just score it's beautiful yeah it kind of reminds me in uh in baseball like there's no more like i was watching this dude talking about hitting he's like there's not going to be any more tony Gwynns or or vladimir guerreros because like the kids coming up they spend hours within the pitching cages with the pitching machine and they don't like you know play you know on their own and those guys were so good at hitting bad balls and like now pitchers, if you have some nasty stuff, it's easy to get even the good hitters out if you're confident because their their swing is the same way. Because they spent since they were twelve, they've been getting a pitching machine that's throwing it right down the middle, and then they can just perfect their swing. So if you get it in that wheelhouse, yeah, they'll hit a home run every single time. But they're never gonna be able to improvise from that. And he's one of those guys that just has all sorts of like these Kind of reminds me of like a Sharunas Marshallonis on steroids or something. You're like, why no, no, is he no, shooting? No. It was it was Marshallonis that was on steroids. Allegedly, kidding, kidding, kidding. Big big why Warriors he fan. Like one of those shots wasn't even necessary that I saw. Like he just did it anyway. It's like all right. But he, yeah, he's fun. He um he definitely has the big game mentality like he like just doesn't back down i mean there was i forget who they were playing and they they kind of went back and forth i think they hit overtime and he was just 
out of the out of this world good and um you know you could just tell he's special and uh, well how, how about him destroying uh <laughs> destroying utah on, on mike conley's <laughs> return just like absolutely yeah right. oh well, that talk about flipping the page like he's just like they're like yeah it's great to have you mike we appreciate you get out we got something way better now <laughs> <laughs> Teams in the, the way they unceremoniously dump their players. Uh, same thing happened to Zach Randolph. I mean, they just said, go ahead and leave, Zach. We don't care. And um, he, they love him in Memphis. Uh, they love him in the building, you know. So it's, it's not like hard feelings or anything. But, uh, yeah, Memphis, I mean, Brandon Clark, first of all, I mean, he's just – everybody knew he was going to be good how he fell to them at like 19. That's crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. He just, you know, and it was funny too, is he was profiled as like this sort of like really super athletic, like Blake Griffin type. And he is thin as a rail. (laughs) He's like a three to me. He can't shoot, but he's like a three. Anytime. Like (laughs) I always think that's so funny when people go like, they, they go that route, like, oh, he's like, a, instead of just saying, like, he's pretty athletic, they go, oh, yeah, he's like Blake Griffin. It's like, dude, like, when Blake Griffin came out, he was, like, literally, like, one of the most athletic power forwards we'd seen since, like, Sean Kemp or something like that. Like, there's, like, there's not going to be just, like, another <laughs> Blake Griffin athleticism guy. But that's the first thing that, like, the media pundits go to. Like, oh, yeah, he's... He, Oh, that guy could that guy could really handle the ball. He's like he's like Isaiah Thomas. It's like really. <laughs> I had a guy <laughs> last night on Twitter yelling at me, which is kind of what happens in Sacramento. Um, <clears throat> he's like, but all the media guys say this, and I'm like, they are the last people I listen to for my basketball analysis. Oh, right. you people are so helpless. Um, yeah, no. So uh, John Morant, I think. Um, I think he has a chance at, at that wild, not really wild prediction that you made, but, you know, very kind of different than everybody else had, that he could compete with Zion. Like, it, I, I can see it. Like, he, I mean, Zion, obviously it's unfair because he's injured and, you know, he's going, Zion's going to be great. Like, but uh, Jaw has the, to me, that, like, when, when you look and see what he's doing right now, imagine him with the, the proverbial 15 pounds of muscle, and still being able to get by guys and still being able to get vertical and, you know, heaven forbid he learns how to shoot a little bit better. Uh, but, and I think the other problem, the other thing that where he's really a problem is he, he, for athletic as he is, he's, he plays at a bunch of different speeds offensively, which is really guys just don't come into the league like that, especially when they're that athletic. They're just like, I'm just going to blow by. I'm just going to go at a hundred miles an hour but he sets up guys really, really well and still runs the team and just like, you know, the screen comes and he just moves around it. He lulls guys to sleep. Then he put then he puts his head down and go like he's like he's very, very crafty and just like mentally ahead of the game. So, I mean, his improvements, is, it's going to be tough. Like he's, he's going to be. It's going to be interesting, but he, he's going to be a really, really good player. <laughs> Let's talk some Kangs. All right. You got a little you bit said, of time. You, you said so, Cause. No, uh, I don't have much here. I really don't. I mean, follow my Twitter feed. You could get, you know, 
uh, I, I, I'll, I'll even go easy on the listeners. The uh, Rashawn Holmes, you know, I'll, I'll say this, and then everybody can laugh at me or whatever. I think he's a, a first team All NBA defender. Like I really do. Just his combination of lateral quickness, vertical ability, the uh, instinct that I think he plays the game with. Um, he doesn't read the plays wrong, you know, pretty much ever to me. Um, what a huge signing for the Kings. And, and the fact that they couldn't get him for the third year. It's so, I, I feel bad because it's like you're the only team in the league that got this. So, you know, congrats. Um, but, man, if they could have gotten a third or a fourth year even, like mm-hmm. that sets you up cap-wise for everything. Like you, you've now yeah. got your big man locked in. Uh, I think he can play with Bagley. Um, <clears throat> but, like, defensively speaking, like – you 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 lock down a huge piece and now you can spend your money elsewhere so it's a good news bad news situation um because he's going to get paid in in about two years or under two years now um but the the start was i I remember hitting you up i was like oh man it is bad in sacramento it is bad and and walton has actually turned it around and there's there's a lot of I wrote serendipity about it like they got lucky with a few of the wins that that turned them back around and gave him the breathing room you know that he needed um, but now that they've they've really added their sets have gone from like they had two sets one of them included Rashawn Holmes who uh, Walton literally before the season started said I haven't seen much of him you know so he didn't even know he had this guy. And he certainly wasn't scheduled to play much at the start of the year. Now he's their base offense. And um, so they had literally like two sets. Now they've got about 10 pet sets that they run that are variations off of those plays that they like the most. And they're, they're starting to be run crisply. And so uh, I'm, I'm more impressed with Luke Walton today um, than I was <laughs> two weeks ago when I was like, Oh my God, cause you have got to see this. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. You're about to, you I know what you're going to do. You, you're having some, you're going through something for, with, with Walton. It was uh, crazy. I mean, literally every single thing he did did not go well. I mean, like, I mean, and to the point of like the, the bad luck stuff where he would keep uh, Bagley in the game in a 30 point game, you know, and then like three people got injured on the same play. <laughs> that shouldn't been it should have been in the game. Uh, yeah, no. So um, they're not running. That's the, the the big thing there. That's that's like a purposeful decision. I think it's a little narrativey where they're like, we need to learn how to play in the half court. We need to learn how to play in the playoffs. So we're not going to run anymore. I, I I'm interested to get your take on that because. I think they should still run, but well, I mean it's early. I mean just because they haven't run to the to the tune that maybe well, they're, everyone they're last in the league in pace basically. The yeah, 20, but what, I don't even know. I don't even know what pace is. Is pace just the time you take a shot in? Because if if that's the case, then like because I think too many. I think it's kind of the problem, especially for bad teams, is everyone falls in love with pace. And getting it up there and chucking it up. And That's fair. It's, it's kind of hard to, I think once you go down that road, especially with young guys that everyone seems to go down, I think it's hard to unteach that. 
as as opposed to having to teaching how to properly execute in a half court set, that's really difficult. There, everyone's always going to be able to run because that's that's all you've done your whole life. You know, it's not like even if even if Luke Walton is like like adamant that we don't we don't run. Yeah, he's holding both hands up with a stop sign. Uh, yeah, I'm, so, I'm kidding so, about but, that, but like the, yeah, they but, but they all he, are. Say, say he was. If he decided at game 40 that, okay, guys, we got it. Now we're going to open up a little bit. It's not like they'd have to relearn how to run. They'd just, they'd just start running, you know, but they would have a better understanding of how successful that they could be in the half court. So maybe you don't force it as much. Because when I see the good teams play the bad young teams and the bad young teams are playing really well, they don't, they don't know how to stop it in their fourth quarter. You know, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter – they they're you know they were up 22 and now they're up 11 and they still take those quick shots and you're like you got to do you got to you got to slow it down you got to go to the to the pet sets now because now the other team's playing now they're in a little bit of a groove and you got to stop this bleeding taking another 3 with with 18 seconds left on the clock isn't going to do it i think so when i oh sorry god He's just don't know. So I think he, maybe he's just. I mean, this guy is. You know, he's been on some good teams. You know, he's he's been he's been on some good teams. Had some a great coach. You know, I you know assistant with the Warriors. I think, you know, he just he maybe he's decided that this is gonna be. Maybe he knows this might be his last hurrah. And if he's gonna go out, he's gonna go out doing it the way well, that he feels is best. He got a four you know? year deal, and and I thought that all these moves were very four year moves. Like you 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 got all that time left on your contract, you're like, I want to do this my way. And in, in, in his case, I think he really believes that you have to play slow in the playoffs. Now there's been articles that debunk that, you know, the pace has in- increased as we've gotten into this sort of pace and space era in the playoffs. So it's not like teams aren't running in the playoffs. Um, the, I think what has been in- the most interesting about it is there's two things happening at the same time. One, I think there is a tiny bit of luck factor um, they went on a five game stretch where they were very good and they were not running and they were playing some bad teams in that stretch. So um, some of those games that most of those games they won, some of them they lost and they were really p- kind of playing bad basketball, but to get those wins, it really gave them the, the confidence that they needed, the cover that they needed to sort of just keep grinding at what they were doing. Um, and then getting the Holmes piece, I mean, he's literally the entire offense right now. He sets every screen. They're they're featuring his screen as the purpose of the play now. And it's just working because, of course, it's working. We've been saying it's going to be working, you know, for the last couple of years here. And so that without that one piece, you know, your half-court offense, and it, this is how it looked in the very beginning, because Holmes wasn't playing um, he was also playing with second unit, so it wasn't really consistent with what he was doing. Um, they were really bad, you know, and some of the rotations that he was putting out there, these are guys that Vlade signed and also sort of Luke's guys, the veterans, the Corey Josephs, the, the Trevor Reeses of the world. Those guys were really struggling. So you had some just the offense would just kind of they'd hold the ball at the top not really know what to do with it very much. 20 seconds would tick down and then they'd fling up some really bad shot. And they did that quite often. So that stuff has gone away a little bit. And, and it really comes back to the India trip. I think they, they really did get hurt by that. I, I don't like to throw that out there, you know, like give people the, the pass. So to speak. Just throwing it. 
<laughs> but well, yeah, no. I mean, it's just it's like to me, it's like abundantly obvious they had two sets one one that one with a guy that really wasn't a part of the game plan, and then now they got ten. You know, so it's like theoretically you want to do that before the season starts. Um, so the Kings very surprisingly are now one game under five hundred. <clears throat> I think they're ahead of their Vegas win total pace, which is nice because I bet that. Um, and they've got a shot to make the playoffs, and all their guys are hurt. You know, so uh, be interesting to see how things work when they come back, though, because now everybody's getting their touches. Everybody's happy and fed. You're going to have Bagley and then ultimately down the road, Fox come back and then things will get tight again. And we'll see exactly how well they, they handle that. Um, Dwight Howard, before we go, um, my, one of my surprises was the Lakers. And some of it is the fact we're, we're so down on them. It was pretty funny. <laughs> I still am a little bit. I mean, Rondo, I Rondo just got back. <laughs> I know it, it's it's kind of funny though. I don't think you, you I don't think you really take into account how easy it is for great players to win regular season games. <laughs> I'm not. Like, hey, hey, I took the under. If they hit the under, then all my 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 trash talk was fine. If they hit the under, they, they yeah. but but what's um most compelling about them is really Dwight Howard because like if he doesn't show up, the you know, you've got JaVale McGee and the big lineup that they, they pose there. And I think that one gets played off the court in the, in the playoffs a little. Like, you know, JaVale's getting up there in age. You know, I, he could still block shots. He could still do this and that. But, you know, when you look and you see Dwight Howard out there, you know, he's still Dwight. He does Dwight stuff, whatever. But, God, he looks pretty damn athletic and pretty damn spry. Like... And I don't know if that was your angle on, on the whole Dwight Howard thing. Nah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, he, he looks, he looks good. I mean, he's lost a ton of weight. That's old. Dude, is that guy even lifting weights anymore? I don't, probably not. His legs are as thin as any player in the league. Yeah, I mean, his whole body is, I, I kind of, like, there was one time in the preseason when I saw him and I was like, or maybe it was the first he game, whatever. like a pair of skinny jeans. He looked like what? A pair of skinny jeans out there. Yeah, I was like, dude, who is that dude out there, man? Who is but, that uh, thin dude that needs to eat something? But the, but when you when you got those when you've had when you got like a chronic back thing like him, you know, and he's had knees, it's like, dude, you got you can't be carrying that weight around, you know. So I don't know what he's doing if he's just doing strength bands or whatever, but he looks a lot more spry out there. And I, and I think, you know, and I got to give some credit to, to Vogel, who I, I thought was a good coach. I don't really know what happened in Orlando, but, you know, they're doing some things that I didn't expect them to do. One, they're really, like, embracing their size when, as a league, is going to have been waiting for We've been waiting for a team mm-hmm. forever, you know, and, like, they're actually doing it. They're funneling everything to the, you know, to the big guys. Um, LeBron is actually playing on the block he looks he also looks like he took last season off well no he well he didn't look like it he did (laughs) well yeah no i know and that's that was one of my caveats to this whole thing (laughs) he definitely took last season off off before he got hurt you know (laughs) wasn't (laughs) they are embracing their size and it's it's suffocating man like they that i i i really i think they, they. I'm gonna take the Clippers regardless, but they, 
that lineup is is just really intriguing in today's NBA because LeBron can go down and and he's t- he LeBron's actually getting torched on defense still. Like yeah, I forget who took him to the rack the other day. A couple of blocks and stuff, you know. But it's like he he's still not playing hard on defense. Like don't don't, don't get it twisted. Like he there was a play like what was the one game where they Danny Green hit the game winner or hit the game to send in the overtime. The possession right before LeBron James was in no man's land, like it was nobody's business, and it caused a horrible rotation. And they and uh, Dallas hit the shot to, to go ahead, and they were just like, and the whoever was doing the the, the broadcast were like, well, you know, that's just a that's just a good shot by Dallas to just do it. Things so like that was the <laughs> point. This guy on the internet was making with well, the opposing. TV guys say he's good at defense. You're talking about Corey Joseph in this case. It's like these guys don't watch anything other than their own team. And with LeBron, they're going to be like, that was great defense by LeBron. No, it was not great defense by LeBron. Um, and yeah, it, it's just funny. Yeah, you can't listen to the TV. Because in the next play, when Danny Green hit the three, like Dwight Howard definitely held Seth Curry on the screen. But Seth Curry was way too far away from Danny Green. Like they didn't, they didn't like. He shouldn't have been in the position to to have an illegal screen set on him. Like he should have been right because they needed a three. So you, if you need a three and you're playing the Lakers and you're covering Danny Green, you you just you just stand by Danny Green. You're shoulder to shoulder with him. So the fact that Danny that that Seth Curry was in his like, <laughs> I mean, help defense was was hilarious. But of course the the commentator was just like like, oh yeah, that was an illegal screen by Dwight Howard. <laughs> It's hilarious, <laughs> but you it, know, no, you know basketball. It's kind of hard not to watch with the volume turned off. <laughs> it, it, it really, it, and and people are, are. I mean, we'll close it on this. People are on me because I'm not praising Nemanja Bjelica, Corey Joseph, and I'm sure somebody else that I'm forgetting. And it's because the announcers are praising them. And it's because the announcers are very good friends with Vlade Divac. <laughs> like they. That's their job. That's what they do. But it doesn't mean that that's what's actually happening on the basketball floor. And, you know, if you get your analysis from, like, I don't know, Stacey King in Chicago, who's the worst team announcer, play-by-play guy, color analyst? I don't know who's the worst. Maybe we'll figure that out. Who's no? It's uh, the dude in Cleveland, man. <laughs> dude in Cleveland's the worst. Dude. That dude, like, I don't. Even, I mean, I haven't heard him since LeBron's been gone. But when LeBron was there, it was almost like, dude, you're like the most uneducated LeBron, like just a crazy LeBron fan. That was just. I mean, LeBron could come down and like, you know, throw the ball off someone's foot, and he'd be like. Hey, if you're playing in the NBA, you gotta go down and get that thing. I you believe, know? You believe you're talking about Austin Carr. Austin Carr, yes. <laughs> Austin Carr. Oh my god, he is. It's like to the point where it's funny now. Now it's like the last couple of years I've listened to him, it was just like, dude, this dude's just hilarious. How bad he is. Yeah, he's the worst. He's absolutely the worst. Stu is pretty bad in LA too. Oh god, I can't do it. I can't do it. I love Mike Trudeau. I mean, Friend of the show, can't yeah. do it. He's tough to He's tough to They they need somebody's got to do the um, announcer, you know, NCAA tournament style rankings and uh, yeah. and, and really get on top of that. That's a good piece of content. Free advice from the Aaron Brewski. 
All right, Cos, we got to get out of here. So uh, that's uh, that's going to do it. Unless you have any flaming hot Dwight Howard takes, you want to fire in there? Oh, I'm happy for the guy. Seems at peace. He's good. Good for him. <laughs> and the Lakers need him. <laughs> when Eric Swalwell, this is here's how I'll close, close it. I don't know if you got a chance to see this. Eric Swalwell, the uh, politician, was uh, on TV, and somebody let out a huge fart. And it was just like right in the middle of what he was saying. And I think it was Chris Matthews from uh, NBC or MSNBC. Like somebody got caught with a hot mic. (laughs) (laughs) I immediately thought it's Dwight Howard. That's all. That's all I got. Um, You can find us online at www.twitter.com slash KOZANDYBRU show where we have gone 972 days without a tweet. Facebook.com slash KOZANDYBRU show for all of your favorite onion jokes. Cause if you've been on it or not. Oh yeah, I'm an onion dude. I'll tell you one off the air. Hmm? There was, I'll tell you an onion story off the air. I couldn't post it though because it was it's in such bad taste, but it was hilarious. <laughs> My favorite, and uh, <laughs> I believe that's our only other social media channel. Um, but do find us at hoopdashball.com where you can get all of your NBA action. No one's in the books, guys. Peace. Peace. <laughs>